We're recording this the evening of March 12th. So this is Thursday, coming out on Friday, March 13th. This was a super pivotal day in our culture, and I'm not really sure how to process it yet. I think looking back, we'll understand that it was an even bigger deal than it was, but it was still shocking. I don't, I don't know. There, I, I, I'm having trouble processing what today is in terms of the fallout surrounding the coronavirus, where we are not only just in the entertainment industry, but sports, tourism, literally life. I mean, people that we know that are in college being affected, colleges across the country being canceled and schools being canceled. And I got to say, man, it there's a couple of times in our lifetime already where it's been like, yeah, we're living through history. Not that we're not always living through history, but you know what I mean? Like that idea that you know when you're living through a moment in time that's going to be talked about for a long time. The last time that happened, I feel like was the last election, um, for better or worse in the situation and the way that it went. But before that, that I could really think of was nine 11 in the way that it was like a globally shaking day that would define history books in a way. That is what this has felt like to me. And we were both 11 or you were 10 going on 11. I was 11 when it happened, I think. But even then I still remember just how culturally significant it was because you could feel a tide shift in the air and you just knew that things had changed and we were not going to be in the same place. That's what all of this has felt like. And especially considering there's a lot of people trying to chalk this up to the idea that it's just another strain of the flu and we, we're all going to get over it and stuff. I mean, it's become a global pandemic. Right. It's that's fucking the, that's crazy. the difference between that and say 9-11 is that this matters all over the world. It doesn't matter. Not that 9-11 didn't matter in other places, but... That one had a different global shift. This is far-reaching. As I've come to understand, this is just um, unprecedented. The thing about our generation is that we were educated and survived, quote-unquote, swine flu, bird flu. What was the one that was spread by mosquitoes? Uh, West Nile virus. West Nile virus. We've survived a few of these things. SARS, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mad Cow is the one I always think of too, and Monkeypox or something like that was Monkeypox. I don't remember that one. Yeah, I, I only remember that because of the ti- <laughs> of Christopher Titus. I was gonna say, forgive me for laughing. Just no, no, no. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Comedically, it's it's great. Our our generation has seen these things come and go. I think that's part of why we're we weren't taking this seriously up until this point because we were just wanting to meme it you know what i mean totally coronavirus was a meme yesterday and now it doesn't feel funny to joke about it anymore i mean i'll still joke about it because you know i have to make light of things maybe that's just a sign how serious it is the fact that maybe i keep joking about it out of defense if that makes sense but i'm doing it less not really laughing out loud edit anymore you talked about schools things like that like my mom mom told me that my niece and nephew their school is out for like the next month which is crazy my sister is going online with all of her college courses her softball season 
is delayed. It's it's super real. And I woke up today. I when I woke up yesterday, I had a completely different attitude around this. Like this, the reality that I see today, just could not. I, I couldn't fathom it the day before. Because of how little seriously I was taking it. So, right. and it's crazy if we want to bring it back to movies, the list of movies that have been affected not only by release, but by production, production, it's, it's nuts. And I think the nail in the coffin, <laughs> it sounds stupid, but the nail in the coffin was Tom Hanks because that made it more real. And I don't know what that says about our culture as Americans, how pathetic that sounds that like we weren't taking it as serious when Italy was on total lockdown. But when we hear that Tom Hanks gets it, it's then something else. It just hits a lot harder and it hits home. It's a very weird thing what's going on right now. Yeah, no, I mean, you know what it was for me more than anything was Disneyland. That was my thing. The moment that that happened, I realized what a big deal this had become because Working for the company, even when other things were going on, I never, ever had a time where we really closed. Not like this. Now they're literally closing the parks. That's a crazy thing. This is the fourth time in history of Disneyland's history that they've ever closed. Yeah, I saw something on Twitter. I don't know if this was even real or not. I don't know if this was misinformation. But literally the day before that, I heard that you know, the governor of California was shutting down any event that required 250 people or more or something like that with the exclusion of Disneyland. Is no. that, was that true a no. day ago? I, I mean, I don't know if that was a day ago, but as of today, I mean, officially Disney... I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like a day ago. Well, it, that I don't know because I never saw anything. Well, The that, only news that I saw was that they were closing. That would have 100% symbolized the flip-flop that we're speaking to here. One day... Everything was like, okay, the next day, it's complete fallout. And I'm still not like shaking in my boots about this. I'm a little bit more concerned about just how America runs off of this because like I'm thinking about my work life. I'm thinking about my money. That's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about right now. But I'm not going to lie, too. We just got back from home from the movie theater. I wasn't that concerned about that specific, specifically. I wasn't afraid to go to the theater, but I certainly made sure to wash my hands a lot more and not touch things. So it, it's right now, luckily, a slight adjustment. I think it's going to get worse. I think so, too. And I mean, I've been very directly affected by this in the stuff that's going on with my professional life. Um, I don't know how much I can really talk about at the moment just because there's stuff that I don't know if it's official or not, but it's it's definitely an adjustment because there was, you know, I travel a lot for my job and I do a lot for my job and now a lot of that stuff is currently up in the air. It's, It's very strange. And it's one of those things that you didn't really think about and you didn't really expect, but I mean... When that kind of mandate came down from the governor of California, I started to wonder exactly how that was going to affect some of that stuff. And like Houston was a very big epicenter for 
this virus originally, and that was one of the next places the Schmodown is going. So I don't know what that means for this. Mm. Like, I, I, there's just so much happening, and it like you see these productions like Riverdale has been shut down for season four because someone there got it, and now Shang Chi and like you said with Tom Hanks, like Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think well, oh, Mission Impossible Seven, yeah. like didn't even go into production because it had to be pushed back. All of these things are culminating in such a way that I never really thought I'd experience it. Well, it's a little bit more superficial. Of of course, we're a movie podcast, so we're here to talk about the entertainment side of it, for sure. And we can do that. But it's also more superficial when you think of everything else that can happen to this country. But as I was going to the... (laughs) I left the theater to go to the bathroom, and I was thinking about how... I could just easily easily walk down that hallway like next month and just no movies be out. And we could see Hunt the Hunt for the fifth time because nothing else is around. And it's then I thought about crazy. how long that could be prolonged, how long theaters just are pointless. I mean, theaters are pointless if there are no new movies. They can't pay employees. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I was thinking about, <laughs> funny enough, on the way to the bathroom tonight. So... We'll see. It, if our listeners are wondering, like, hey, what are you guys going to do if there's no movies for a while? Trust me. We'll find ways there, to do stuff. There's, We have no problem filling no. time. <laughs> uh, if you guys know anything about us, we love to talk. I'll, I'll just turn on this mic, and I, will, I won't talk about movies for two hours. I don't, I'll do it. Don't, I, I don't mean, force 100%. Me. But there's all kinds of streaming stuff. Don't worry about that. Movie House will still be a thing, with or without new releases that's not a problem at all so don't fret but it is a little bit concerning it sucks you get hyped for these movies that get delayed it sucks but we'll get through it together and uh think about what's most important here sorry to start off on a low note but a necessary note i was gonna say here's some here's some cool theme music and then we can talk about the hunt Welcome to Movie House. I'm Ryan Snelling. I'm already in a more, much more chipper mood. PJ Campbell. What are you doing? You're distracted. What no, are you doing? I was listening. I know you're in a chipper mood coming back from that after our beautiful theme music. Yeah. But no, man, I'm all right. Um, all things being equal, it's been an interesting week. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to lie to these people. I'm a little underwhelmed right now. I'm a little sad. Me too. Me too. You know, I mean, that's kind of... I, I'm in a good place but i'm in a sad place and not in like a fuck everything i want to throw a table sort of way but like i'm frustrated yeah if you guys are wondering it's because he just watched spencer confidential on netflix it's no true. he just watched the third episode of devs which look i was a little frustrated with the first two but apparently the third episode was a whole bunch of nothing and take that up with jay williams <laughs> if if you have a problem with that if you uh if you guys listened to the last episode myself and Andres Cabrera reviewed 
the outsider. And at the tail end of that, he, he gave a take on devs, which was unique to mine. And I love that. And I appreciate it. I don't understand it. He's in love with this thing. I see potential, but I'm not there yet. So I'm kind of, I don't know. I could have watched devs today and I didn't figured, Hey, let's just keep it with the hunt, which is obviously the movie we're going to discuss here today. You've kind of already shed a light on how you feel about it, I guess. <laughs> I, I I tried not to like go fully into it yet. I mean, I haven't watched Devs. I was going to make a joke that I had rewatched the end of How I Met Your Mother, and I'd never been more disappointed by a series finale. But you know, because everyone likes to hate on Damon Lindelof and his oh, I was going to say, what would that be a joke to? <laughs> and that's you know one of those things. Sure. Sure. Well, luckily, there's a lot to discuss with this movie, so we can come back around to how we feel about it, having seen it. But this movie, I remember when it was announced, you have Jason Blum, you have Damon Lindelof teaming up. And this was like at the heels of the whole Blumhouse Shyamalan team up. I think so, yeah. And that that meant one thing to me. I'm not like a Shyamalan head, even though I love the hits, right? I love the hits. I think we all do. I love the partnership between those two and what it can mean for Hollywood and what we might get out of that as fans. But when I heard Blum was teaming up with Damon Lindelof, that's obviously just something seismic in my life. I was so excited. For one, because I like Damon Lindelof's movies. Mm -hmm. So it was one thing to be like, oh, here's another Damon Lindelof movie. But also, here's another team up, really cool team up with Jason Blum. And I, I remember just being so giddy. The premise seemed familiar, but I couldn't help. I knew in that moment that the premise seemed familiar. I thought instantly of Most Dangerous Game. I knew there was going to be more to it. There's going to be a Damon Lindelof thing about it. I'm all in here. I I really love Jason Blum. I think you and I have talked about this before, but outside of Kevin Feige, Blum is currently one of my favorite producers working in Hollywood, strictly because I think he's just doing incredible work. He's the one guy who's realized that like the small to mid budget movies are the ones that gonna like go the furthest, and I think that that's a really great thing because I think that we are so used to seeing these 150, 160, 200 million dollar blockbusters. But the benefit of doing something smaller is you can be riskier mm. and you can let filmmakers do things that are a little bit different. And so the idea of Blum teaming up with someone like Damon Lindelof, who I think is one of the riskiest storytellers right now in Hollywood, that was incredibly exciting to me. Like, I, I, this is the same dude who gave James Wan a career. And, like, you can now lay Winnell. And now mm. they're doing more of the Universal Monster movies, as we found out this week. Like, there's just so many cool things that you can do when you're Jason Blum. And yeah. so him teaming up with Damon Lindelof was the kind of thing that got me like super duper giddy. It's the kind of thing if you were like Guillermo del Toro is teaming up with Jason Blum to do a movie, I would lose my fucking mind. Right. I think I've always said Lindelof is maybe one of the most interesting filmmakers. Like whether you love him or hate him, I think he's incredibly good for pop culture and entertainment. Maybe more so with television. I, I think we can all agree that his TV series are stronger than his movies. I, I happen to love most of his movies. Me too. But that's neither here nor there. This partnership meant something else. Let me ask you a question real quick, talking about Blum. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with everything you said about Jason. He's awesome. 
He's really talented, really smart, really knowledgeable guy. He can be compared to Kevin Feige. He built. He has these very different models, but he shepherds both. It's a patriarchal thing, and he kind of shepherds this along to to tremendous success. Jason Blum's thing is more. It can be copied more than say what Kevin Feige has done with the Marvel Universe. One hundred percent. So here's here's what I want to say to Jason Blum's credit. Nobody has done it, I think, the way that he's been able to do it. The negative and the downside is shame on literally everybody else who has not figured out what Jason Blum has figured out. Because what's happening is Jason Blum is impenetrable. He doesn't have to put his movies on streaming services. Mm-mm. Whereas like everybody else who can't figure out how to like sell a movie in theaters has to put their movies on streaming because the theater, you know, theaters are running out smaller movies and Jason Blum's looking around like, not, not mine. Like, what are you guys doing? No, a hundred percent. I'm not. And I, I just think that so to his credit, it's so fantastic and good for us as fans, but also again, shame on everybody else. Find that curious as to why they can't quite figure that out. We saw this movie. It didn't need star power at no. all. There's not a single star in this movie. Well, I mean, this is the same guy who convinced Jamie Lee Curtis to come back to Halloween again and made it work and, like, worth her while. A thing that I never thought would happen because everyone figured after Resurrection that she was done. Like, she had asked for Lori to be killed off because she was ready to move on with her life. So for them to be like, hey... You know, 39 years later, would you be willing to come back to film this movie that's a sequel to a movie that you made that made you and they did it? That's a crazy thing. And even when they miss, like with Fantasy Island, the movie still ends up making money for them in the end. And it's not a huge loss either way. Right. Like, not everyone can, not everyone's going to make a good movie. Like, yeah, Blum has his misses too. But this is the same dude who gave Jordan Peele get out and like let him make that movie yeah and you look or whiplash even damien chazelle like blum has a great handle at finding talent and mining it the right way and also making movies that we can respond to yeah i agree with that again his, his batting average i don't think is that great quality wise sure but regardless of that you can't deny he's just a savvy filmmaker businessman totally. producer and if you quantify success monetarily, which most people do, then he's he's just fantastic. Totally so, is. To go back on what I said a second ago, this movie has no stars, and I think I don't think that that's why people are going to argue. But Ryan, this movie is still front and center because of everything that went down with its release schedule what's happening with it politically. I think that certainly plays into it, but I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. I think this movie still would have been uh, a Ready or Not. We saw that movie last year. Very similar premise. Very similar. It's also a Blumhouse movie. Ready or Not was Blumhouse? No, that was a Fox was movie. It? Was it? Yeah, that was okay. it. The only reason I know is because it was the... 
of all things, it was the very first Fox release that Disney did on Blu-ray. And, like, it created, like, this whole shitstorm because people didn't like the cover art because Disney's notoriously lazy on their home video cover art. That was the only reason that I remembered that. I don't... I don't remember there being a problem with it. I mean, you're not the people online who are like, they want certain things. Like, they oh. want it to be the poster. It's literally just the actress on a red cover, which, yeah. I mean, is fine. But, what is it, Samara I mean, Weaving, I think? It's not amazing, but I, just, I, right. I, I didn't know people could take issue with what that is. Dude, but, okay. It, it's the stupid subsect online. But it more the only reason, I that's really the only reason I remember. Well... It's a similar premise. People like this kind of movie, whether it's politicized or not. So I still think it would have been this cult hit, still would have been profitable. It was going to come out around uh, Halloween. It was like a late September, early October, I think, if yeah, I remember correctly. it was like a September, October release. And, you know, I spoke about this on Sight and Sound. I don't think I spoke about it on here, but I think, I don't know that I fully buy into the reasons why. They delayed it. I think it's admirable just because they had good intentions. But I think part of me was like, no, you should still be able to put this out. Um, because movies come out like this all the time without, in my opinion, actually affecting people's uh, behavior. But it was in good intentions. It was to uh, show sensitivity. And I can't really argue with that either. And that's not really what I want to do here, but that was sort of my mindset at the time. So that's sort of my pushing up against whether this movie is a success or isn't a success based on its politics, because I happen to think it would have been successful no matter what, personally. I, I agree with that completely. I, I understood why the pushback was done with everything going on, and I mean... Uh, there's a lot of people who are going to point at the politics side of it, but it really wasn't that. It was trying to be sensitive to a very unfortunate situation that was sure. timely to the release. And I felt like Lindelof and everyone handled it with care. I mean, look at what's going on right now. We have a ton of movies that are being pushed back for a similar reason. I mean, legitimately, <laughs> yeah. less for something as devastating as a shooting, but more just a global crisis and so all these movies being pushed back because people realize that it's not the right time and that's where i was gonna go next is is this movie cursed <laughs> kind of feels like it. it can't really catch a break but i think that's what that's why i want to start here is because i think this is actually it's not the movie's fault it's not jason blum's fault but all of this cultural stuff is lifting this movie up on a higher pedestal then I think it in I think only it's gonna do it a disservice because people are gonna be like, oh, that's what that was. Right. But if it would have come out without any of this attention, again, I, it still would have been successful. But we all wouldn't have walked out and been like, that was the hunt. And they played into it a little bit. I think it was a smart play. Most recently with this trailer and some of the and marketing the poster too. Yeah. I, I think it's smart. Because it was just reacting to what we had already done to this movie. But now that I've seen it, I, I think it might it might put people off. And it might explain a little bit why it's not connecting with, with at least critics right now. I, I don't have box office numbers because it's just way too early. But it's at a 50-something on Rotten Tomatoes right now. That seems accurate for the movie itself. And I mean... As you and I kind of set up top, we're both Lindelof fans, so you and I had already been 
looking forward to this regardless. And you and I both talked about the day that they dropped the trailer and announced that it was coming out. Mm. I literally said to you, you were the first person I thought of outside of myself because we were both wanting to see it because we liked Damon Lindelof. Like that was exactly where my mindset was. The very first podcast that he and I ever did together was about Prometheus. No one's ever listened to it. Right. But that's how much we like Damon Lindelof. Like that dude is the best. I wonder if I still have that podcast. I, I would I like know. to find it and see if I can. I remember there was an audio issue. There was an audio and issue on I had to end. heavily edit it, but if I find it and if it's cleaned up enough, I might go on and just uh, post that. I think it's a great podcast, number one, if you it if was. people listen to it regardless. But more than anything, the thing that I dig about Lindelof is I always think that he has like a very interesting voice for cultural type things like i think lost has always had that leftovers which you and i watch together which we need to finish actually i think we have like an episode or two left there's we have four left yeah so like there that watchman as we just did a recap for earlier in the year like every one of his movies even tomorrowland to a point like feels like it has some sort of voice on something that feels like it's relevant to the things that are happening to us in the world and like it's a very culturally important type of thing and he tries that here and i'm gonna be honest like as a damon lindelof fan this is one of the first times i've felt increasingly and unfortunately underwhelmed by what the movie ended up being it's a good point to make and i'm not i don't think i'm biased anyway i think that of course i i love a lot of his works very much so passionately but mm-hmm. i also think i i try to listen to the criticisms i don't think he nails everything out of the park sure but you're right because and i i've said this ever since i've started podcasting the amount of hate that damon lindelof gets is due entirely to the fact that he was one of the first rock star showrunners. He was he's a writer with a face. Yep. Whereas we don't know who the fuck wrote Ready or Not. Whether it's a good movie or not, do you know who wrote Ready or Not? I was I, I just I, You looked the, at me like, well it's actually <laughs> No, I the I, I only vaguely know who they are just because of the announcement today about them doing screen. Oh. Well, I didn't. Okay. Well but just a random example. No no but uh, you're hundred percent right. Uh, right. So it's just purely because he's a rock star with a face. Hundred percent. It's he's somebody that uh, can have their his someone's finger pointed at him, right? And I've always been way more lenient on his film projects, just because more often than not, he's not just the he's not the only accredited writer or a filmmaker c- could come in and a studio could come in. And I think the real Damon Lindelof is dripping wet on. Lost, The Leftovers, and Watchmen. Like, mm-hmm. that is Damon Lindelof to a T. Kurtzman Orsi, kind of in the Star Trek stuff. Cowboys and Aliens had, like, eight credited writers. Prometheus had Ridley Scott's fingerprints all over which, it. Which is the probably the project that ha- has guns on him the most, is Prometheus. I think that is single-handedly the most, because it, it was built off of the Lost backlash. Totally. And it became something else because... I think the conversation of you ruined my beloved. Well, you tell me, what do you think is worse? Damon Lindelof, quote unquote, quote unquote, ruining alien or, or tanking lost or, or tanking lost. I mean, what do you think is worse in the eyes of a fan? In the eyes of the fan, it's the destruction of alien. 
in for a film fan. But the caveat for that for me is that Lost, in the same way that you're talking about Lindelof, I think Lost was the last great serialized TV show in the before the streaming services started doing the binging and things like that. So people say Breaking Bad's in that gray area where yeah. it's still it's still a cable serial and and it was saved but because it, of streaming it, right. So because of that, Lost Sense was the anarchy, last maybe. thing that a lot of people sat around watching week to week, and because they all felt so slighted by the film in the end, it, yeah. It may be, the, or the show, I should say, and the ending, which you know I don't agree with at all, because I think Lost has maybe the greatest TV finale of all time. Um, I don't necessarily agree with either criticism, because I don't think that he tanked the Alien franchise just as much as I don't think he fucked up Lost. Well, actually, I'm going to... You kind of talked me out of what I... I think I disagree with you as you explain that more so just because I think Alien was probably already ruined. So the fact that Damon didn't save it, I don't know if it's as big of a deal of something that people put six years of their life into 120 episodes. I think maybe... I think maybe the finale of Lost, but I, I'd be curious to know like what. I don't even know if you could quantify it, but I would love to know the percentage of Lost fans who hated the finale versus love the finale. I would say that that'd be really interesting. It would be. I I feel like straight up, you and I are definitely in the minority on it. Um, I I've come to learn that I've come to stop fighting people on the finale. Um, I don't know that I believe that. I think it's a Last Jedi thing. You think so? All the people who hate it are just on the internet. I don't know, man. Like, I I remember when it ended, and this is a weird path that we're going down all of a sudden, but the night that that movie ended, we had a party for the show. The movie? Uh, Prometheus? For no, for Lost. Oh, the finale. Yeah, for the finale of Lost, we had, like, a party that night, and it was, like, Same. a bunch of us together. Same. And two of us loved the ending. Yeah. One of them was kind of like middle of the road, and one of the people with us fucking hated it. Right. So same, same here. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I'm gonna guess that what it is is 50% of people are you and I. 25% of the people going off of that, just because this is just going off of you and I. Yeah. 25% of people are kind of like it's fine, but with caveat. Mm-hmm. And then the other 25, hate I would it. guess, fucking hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel. I mean, I think that that's what the the reality is with, say, the Last Jedi too, which is you know a more recent controversial thing. Sure, totally. Well, all it's almost to, like Lindelof wrote that. <laughs> all this to say, like the thing about the hunt is that I think this is also maybe a more. Uh, oh, this is probably the most Damon Lindelof movie that we have, aside from Prometheus, just because I think all of Damon's ideas are still dripping from Prometheus, yep. whether Ridley Scott was like, I'm still making the movie I'm going to make. Um, I think The Hunt is probably the most Damon Lindelof thing, just because it was a part of that partnership. And it also, and the thing I haven't really considered or thought about leading up to it, is the fact that, that this entire staff, at, at least the the head filmmakers here are all leftovers alone craig oh, zobel wow. you're who, right who directed this movie directed the extremely popular episode of the leftovers called international assassin he also directed uh oh I almost spoiled something for you he directed one of the final season episodes of the leftovers as well 
and something else. What else did he do? So oh, it's, Z for Zachariah. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. I forgot well. about that movie <laughs> until you brought it up. Holy yeah. shit. Um, and Nick Hughes, who's been writing with Damon since The Leftovers. He also wrote Maniac with Thoreau. With Elijah Wood. And, uh, no, with the Justin Thoreau's Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. Oh, show. I forgot the show. Yeah. I was thinking of a movie. And, um, uh, shit. Oh, and Watchmen. So. So there's a lot of goodwill going into this from both of us for a lot of different reasons. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And there's still goodwill. Yeah. Well, no, totally. Let's let's get into this movie. I, I think it, in retrospect, really is what is promised by the trailers. A hundred percent. Like, it's all, it's all there. You kind of go into it, especially the most recent trailer, kind of sheds a little bit more light on the socio-political commentary, whereas I don't know if I got that from the first trailer. It was a more, it was still more about like the most dangerous game, like humans hunting humans for sport kind of thing, and then the movie really showed its true colors this year in 2020 because of everything that it was doing with the marketing and the movie that we saw was definitely the movie seen in this most recent set of trailers a hundred percent it was and you and i were actually talking about it as we were leaving like i had managed to avoid most of the trailers not out of a spite or anything but more i just kind of wanted to be surprised when we saw the movie it's a lindelof film i just wanted to enjoy it and like go in blind and i i knew the basic premise of the movie i you know uh yeah sorry words um kind of what you said just like the greatest game i i i kind of knew what it was and i i had this idea that there was definitely some political undertones to the situation because that's what everyone wanted to talk about when the movie was pushed back. But I never really dug into it enough that I had no idea how many great character actors were actually in the movie. Like, modern character actors. People like Ethan Suppley, who it was surprising to see him. Like, I've liked that dude since, you know, Mallrats and Boy Meets World. So, funny to see him pop up in this. Um, but then I'll, like, Hillary Swank is in this, and then Justin Hartley, who was on Smallville as Green Arrow for a long time. Is He's, that the This Is Us guy? Yeah, the guy the from Ryan This Reynolds, Is Us. Diet yeah, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this while we're on this topic, and I, we have to talk about Betty Gilpin, 100%, yeah. but since you brought up the, the other actors, I think I found it frustrating, and I'm not going to... Let me ask you this. Can this movie be spoiled? I don't I, know. I don't know that it can. I don't. I assume no because I assume that most people know it's gonna do. It's, yeah, exactly what it's gonna it, do. It's like the the trailer doesn't like ruin the movie in the way that we talk about trailers ruining movies. But also, this movie is just what the trailer says it is. Yeah. So exactly. So you can you kind of know what it is. So with that said, a lot of these actors spend you know, maybe just only one to two minutes on screen, period. For the, the most part, yeah. There's a lot of, like, gory deaths, unexpected deaths, and they're really just bags of meat and blood. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really not there to portray any particular identity. I mean, more is told to you about the characters post their death than when they are alive. They literally are. They might as well just be a pig farm. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, which I think is part of the point I, of it. Well, of do, you, do you find that frustrating or distracting as an audience member when you think, "Oh, that guy," and then, "Okay, not that guy." A little bit. It, you know what it would be. If you were doing it and it was just one actor and you did it out the gate, then you're doing what Psycho did. You're doing what Scream did. Like, that's the that's the great horror trope, isn't it? You know, the idea of this great actor that everyone loves is often 10 to 15 minutes in a movie. <laughs> but the problem with this is, is that it's a bunch of recognizable faces that are all off throughout. Right. Like, and you don't really get any context to them. And that's, I think that's the bigger problem because even in Scream, like, th- that whole opening sequence when you have Drew Barrymore and the phone call with Ghostface, you learn more about her in the first five, ten minutes of that movie than you learn about any of these characters in this movie. Right. And the same thing with Psycho. You know who Marion Crane is by the time that Norman kills her in the bathroom. And then the whole movie shifts gears and is a totally different movie from there. But, is it a thing that you can do? Yes, absolutely, but it's a it's about how you do it. You have to do it very sparingly and you have to do it in a way that I feel like benefits the movie and I'm not necessarily sure it benefited it here. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it really came down to just the structure and how it all went down. So maybe it's just not simply the issue, hey, you killed off this actor I recognize because that'd be silly. You could say that about literally any movie. Right, 100%. but it's the fact that they were so disposable Early on in the movie, it was like more of a trick at the top and then kind of went away later on. But even like some of the villains, like Glenn Howerton plays a guy who kind of like falls victim to what we're talking about. I won't say when it is in the movie, but it's kind of like, you know, I'm happy for all these actors. I I think they're in like a cool, weird, like genre movie or whatever. But at the same time, it's like you could have just gotten even lesser than. I mean, the fact that the fact that what's her face uh, Emma Roberts is played as an extra essentially i just don't know what that does that was for the emma movie. roberts right yeah the, i i kept going back and forth because at times it definitely looked like her and that other times it definitely didn't right. so it was throwing me off a little bit but no you're 100% Sturgill simpson plays the uh the guy from orlando yeah <laughs> And he has three lines of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's that's one I understand way more. Like Sturgill Simpson's probably the best cameo or addition to this movie, but also fits right in with what we're discussing. So I have no problem with that. But it is funny that he's in it. No, totally. And so again, I don't think it's necessarily detrimental to the movie, but I also think that it's better it's, when it's something curious. like that. It's just curious. It's curious, and I always think it's better if it's benefited by doing it in a way that I think makes more sense than the way it was done here, in, SS- in my opinion, at least. Listen, I'm ashamed that I haven't mentioned Betty Gilpin once yet because when I saw her in the trailer, saw that she was going to be in this movie, super excited. How familiar are you with Glow? I have not seen a single episode. The most I know about Glow is that we had some of them on the Schmodown years ago. Glow is arguably my favorite Netflix series period yeah it is, you, you've talked about that with it's me. extremely consistent extremely watchable extremely pleasant the performances are fantastic when i saw the first season of glow however many years ago it was three years ago betty gilpin was just the obvious shining star and you know allison brie leads that show mark Marin is also distractingly good 
in that show, but Betty Gilpin was clearly the the best thing about Glow. And I love her so much. She's who you've wanted for She-Hulk, right? Like I've seen I you still talk want about her that. for She-Hulk. No, 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 I just wanted to be sure that's who we're talking about. Same <laughs> yes. person. Okay. Yeah. So I was very, very excited. She was a part of this project, got to lead this film, and I'm hoping for more Betty Gilpin in the future. I know season four of Glow is about to film like next week. So we're going to get that probably later on in the summer, maybe in the fall. But um, anyway, I was super happy that she, I mean, she she's part of why we like the movie as much as we do because she's, it's cool to watch her on screen and she does a great job. She has quirks about her character that I'm not sure, quite sure I understand or can even describe and maybe we can figure some of that out together. But I was certainly glad she was still in it in retrospect. Made it way more watchable than it could have been otherwise. If she was not in this movie, I think I would have liked it a ton less than I already do. Yeah. Um, and that's because I think she is so likable in the movie, which is interesting because the other thing about this movie that we really haven't talked about in talking about all of this, no one in this movie is likable, like in any sort of way. None of the characters are likable characters. Mm -mm. And that's very important for the film in the message that it's trying to have, I think. Um, I think so, too. But more than anything, it's interesting because I like watching her and I like her a ton as an actress. But her character, like every other one in this movie, is pretty despicable. Like in just the most, but she's, yeah, she's probably the most likable in the end, which I will also give her. That's something I agree with. I think this movie, one of its many messages is that we're the enemy right it's this is supposed to obviously i'm not saying anything profound here reflect society right now but also out the gate what i will say is that this i think follows suit with a lot of the criticisms that damon lindelof gets in his other projects and i think all of the ideas in this movie they have their starting points but they also get so blurry and confusing that I kind of don't know what this movie's trying to say. I was thinking the same thing when I left. Because by the time it was over, I felt like it had definitely muddled whatever message it was trying to have. Yeah. Because I didn't understand what it was... Like, I mean... I get a basic idea of what it's trying to do, and it's trying to also potentially be Animal Farm, which is like comes yeah. out of so left field by the time it's over that I don't necessarily love the way that they fit that together, but I digress. I, it's more that by the time it's over, I just felt like I had seen a movie that wanted to be profound, but also felt like by the time it came out, and this isn't a dig at Lindelof or anyone, but by the time it came out, it almost felt like they also decided maybe we shouldn't be as profound as we want to be with it. And like it tucks its tail between its legs and it walks another direction. And that's the best way to put it. I think there's something to be said. I'm fine with the idea of putting this kind of commentary inside of this like farcical 
ultra violent gory movie because it's kind of like maybe the thing that'll make it digestible to audiences right people are like uh don't know really what they're watching and they're taking in all look these at messages. all the blood it's like um it's like what bill burr says he's like if you ever want to educate your kid or you want to talk to your kid just do it while you're playing catch it's kind of like that idea right right <laughs> so they're giving us this commentary these ideas and we're just playing catch with damon lindelof and jason blum watching this ultra violent movie and i think that's part of why they packaged it the way that they did but unfortunately i just think because it is so mixed it does the movie a disservice because without all of this commentary, it still could have been like another ready or not. And I still think this is going to have its following. It's it's going to be this weirdo cult movie. I totally, think. I think it's going to become a midnight movie next week. We can maybe if it's interesting, talk more about the box office. It's also going to be hard to quantify because if it fails, it's going to be like, okay, so is it really coronavirus? Maybe that'll be impossible to, to, figure out there's only one movie more cursed than this movie right now and it's new mutants like i don't think we're ever going to get a full gauge of exactly what happened to this movie right that we can ever quantify what was what because is it coronavirus maybe or is it because people are not interested in the message also maybe and like for what it's worth you and i live in a fairly red state a blue area of a red state, but we we live in a fairly red state. And, and I come from a red state. Yeah. A very so, red state. So it's interesting. Like, we were in the theater, and even when we bought our tickets, we got, like, some of the only... It was a lot of open seats. It wasn't like there was people dying to get into this movie. I did, well, I did also didn't expect it, just because I don't know if it's going to be a packed... I mean... Right, and it, that's exactly it. It, it probably had... A few less people than when we saw Onward. And Onward would have brought more people because it was like family seats instead of just like couples that would go see this movie. You know? Yeah, I'd say there was what... I mean, it was one of the smaller-ish theaters. Sure. And I'd say that there was 10 to 15 of us in the theater. I, again, it's not, it's also an R-rated film on a, that's, in I'd the say, middle of I'd all say, this shit. I'd that, say about that's 20, pretty good. Yeah. That's actually pretty good. It's more than I was expecting. It, it was it was a norm to me. It was a completely normal Thursday night viewing for this type of movie. A hundred percent. I didn't think it, I didn't take anything away from it, but no. But I just thought that was a interesting thing altogether. But uh, I I will say this: like a movie like this can exist and have commentary and still also be interesting like i think of something like battle royale and the, i don't know if you've ever seen battle royale uh-uh. um it's a japanese film that is based on a novel that right. had plenty of graphic novel adaptations but that is a like heavy political commentary on a lot of different things but also ultra violent and very in your face a lot of the movie and yet I still get more out of it in the end because it doesn't shy away from what it's trying to say. Right. I just felt like this movie shied away towards the end and lost a lot of what it was trying to do. Yeah, I I agree. It's not that I have a problem with... It's not that I have a problem with, you know, how they arrived at some of the of these ideas, but I think ultimately this the execution. So it's like when they take shots at my politics, I don't care. Hey, guys, imagine being offended by a movie. Um, I don't care when it takes shots at my beliefs. I don't I don't care about any of that stuff. Um, I just don't think it was very clear and I hate to say it, it kind of hurts me and I don't at the risk of sounding harsh. I just didn't find any of that done. 
in an intelligent way. It felt like it was just done in like the entertaining way. And I told you when we walked out, it just kind of felt like Twitter the movie. No, it it really did. It just felt like they took a whole bunch of ideas from Twitter. uh, And obviously, hopefully Twitter is not where a whole bunch of people are being murdered, but I digress. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And I think that's why I'm so frustrated. Lindelof to me is a very smart writer a lot of the time. And I just felt like so much of what was going on in this kind of felt dumb. And I hate saying that. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was dumb. I just think it was very surface level and aimless. Well, maybe that's why I think it's dumb. <laughs> because it's more that I think that he could do better. Yeah. And I think that that's where my frustration with all this lies is that I kind of wish that he had taken a knife to both sides in a more interesting way because that's one thing that this movie there's a lot of people who think it's a movie that's literally just about people that are liberals killing a bunch of deplorable Trump supporters. Right. And that is a hundred percent what the movie is trying to be, but it's not really that movie either. Like it's trying to take shots at both sides because both sides are wrong. It's still how they treat people. It still operates in this gray area. Right. But the problem is, is that I also don't think it fucking sticks a knife in hard enough on either side. Like it is exactly what you said. It is Twitter the movie, but without the teeth that Twitter normally has, because I can get attacked on Twitter and hear way worse things from people on either side, right? Than I'm gonna hear in that movie. I th- I think Damon poses better questions in a movie like Prometheus. Honestly, yeah, thinking big to me personally is a little bit more affecting than making me trying to th- make me think about the world that I already think about all of the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like I said, the, it, I think it does it a disservice, but it's also so of its time that it's like, do I, am I going to get any use? Well, hopefully, hopefully I don't because hopefully the world is a completely different in five to 10 years, but it's like, am I going to get only time will tell if I'm going to get any use out of this movie because it doesn't feel like it's timeless it's very much of the time and it's okay to be of the time but i think it's going to do it a disservice ultimately i do too and i was thinking about that a lot while we were watching the movie actually was the idea of do i think this movie is actually going to do anything interesting moving forward like in time right when we discover this will it be a time capsule film and what will that time capsule say about this time like will it be in any way interesting will it in any way be relevant it's an eye-opening it's I don't a know. time capsule film that doesn't really represent the time that well no right and it's funny because i can think of specific films that feel like time capsule films that don't feel timeless from certain times and one of them for me of all things is rocky four like if you put rocky <laughs> four on what a film yeah. of the 80s you know like <laughs> from the the score to the fucking robot in that movie to just everything about it that's yeah. also the only one where bill conti didn't do the music so it's all this like hearts on fire like right. all these very 80s sort of themes and music and the whole cold war rocky ends the cold war like it is an 80s film, but it feels timeless all the same. Sure. This movie does not. And that's weird to me because it feels like a film that should be. It should be a film that feels timeless in that it should be literally about people who don't have the same side of ideas of politics and like how 
attacking each other is wrong and all these things, but it never takes either side. Right. And that's, that is the problem. And I don't think it even had to take either side, but it also had to push and be deeper and it's never deeper. I also just didn't find, this is just more on a production standpoint. I didn't think that the climax was shot well. No, I thought there was a cool part to it, uh, which was when they went out the door the first time, like they go through the glass and then the next shot is the panning shot through all the windows. Yeah. I mean, but uh, yeah, but ultimately though, I also could see like the choreography too, which was a problem whenever I watched, I used to talk about this all the time when I would watch Netflix Marvel shows. It's like, I can see you pulling punches. I can see you not connecting because you're not shooting or editing properly Mm -hmm. or you're just using the wrong takes. And I saw that here. It's like, no, you didn't connect there. And I I know there's a suspension of disbelief in all that, but when you just do it so obviously, that's when I'm kind of like, no, you got to actually make it look like a movie. No, 100%. There were were parts of this um, in, in the climax that I just didn't really, you know... Um, you know what's funny when you bring that up? I think, have you ever seen the movie Haywire, the Steven Soderbergh one? It's been forever. I, I don't even know if I finished it. So I didn't love that movie. Um, it's a movie that I desperately wanted to love because one, I love Steven Soderbergh. One, I love a lot of the cast members in it. But the one thing I will say about that movie is that I thought that the action sequences in it were so much better than a lot of what we see here right. because they, a lot of it's kind of similar in this the the ending feels similar to some of the sequences in that movie to me mm. and it's like that movie was made on a pro- very similar budget from what i can remember and it never felt like it was pulling punches it never felt like i could see the edits i felt it here and that was really frustrating for me and i, I just didn't think it was really that well directed if i'm being completely honest it was a thing that bummed me out because that was one of the things i was excited about but i felt that throughout the movie like there was just weird edits and weird camera angles like he would cut between close-ups that felt interesting at first but then it was distracting and it it never felt like it flowed in a very specific way it didn't flow there was like no geography to it like there's no like linear point a to point d point d point b it it just wasn't there there was a shot where they're coming in from the patio and there's a uh, a funny quip like no not the glass again yeah but i could see as they were struggling i could see actors not trying to hurt each other and that was one of the examples uh no i see it man i wanted to mention it but it's just too bad. Um, it is too bad. Usually, when a movie has like a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm like, oh, here we go. I, I was hoping that, look, okay, this is just a misunderstood Damon Lindelof thing. If, if anything, I hope to just come out feeling like it's it's fine or average, but I didn't want it to be, because it's possible that I hate a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. If it's like something like, I don't hate Fast and Furious. I don't like Fast and Furious. I don't give it a lot of credit other than for being commercially awesome. But a movie Fast and Furious could come out and have like a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes and I could be I could think that it deserves way less than that. I know how Rotten Tomatoes works. But ultimately, I don't see this as a movie that has a 54% because it's just flat out bad, but 
I feel so indifferent about it at the same time that maybe that's maybe that's even worse. You know what I mean? It, it's, no, a hundred percent. It's kind of like a shoulder shrug of a movie, which is like it's fine because the investment is ninety minutes or whatever it is. I don't feel like I'm ever. I don't know that I'm ever gonna rewatch this. Mm-mm. I don't um, think I'm even gonna buy it, and that tells you literally everything. I, I think again, I keep going back to Ready or Not, and I don't, guys. I have two podcasts. I don't know if I've ever really even discussed Ready or Not as a movie. I didn't see it until it was out on VOD, but I've like rewatched that movie since owning it like two or three times. I still need to see it. It was one of those ones you and I wanted to go see it. It just yeah. didn't happen. Yeah. Like, and I kept meaning to see it, and it just didn't. And you know what's funny is that you're 100 percent right on the idea of the indifference because the one of the things I've always said is that. I would rather love a movie or hate a movie. Like I would yeah. rather be the extremes of either. Not that extremes are always the conversation worth having, but like feeling so indifferent towards something that you wanted to in- enjoy is really frustrating. Not because I don't, I don't know. Like I want to feel something and I'd almost have, re- I, and I, maybe that's why Twitter and the internet is the way that it is because I always give them flack for, Everything seems so black and white. Like people either love things or hate things, and there's not a lot of in between. But also in that in between becomes just kind of a general idea of exactly what I said the same thing to you when I walked out. I went, "It's fine." Yeah, and that's not what I wanted to feel mm. at all. I wanted to love this movie, and I didn't hate it. It just kind of fucking exists, and yeah. that sucks. And I was totally prepared, again, on it not being as big as Prometheus, as big as these Star Trek movies. I didn't care about that. I just wanted them to knock a Blumhouse thriller out of the park. And unfortunately, I think it kind of falls on the side of the, the Blumhouse movies that I just I just don't care about. But I still think it's going to be a success. Um, I it, mean, it wasn't it's, made it's a, for much. It's a, it's a harmless viewing. Like totally. A, if, if someone's like, well, should I go see it? I mean... Yeah, sure. And hey, I mean, you it, might like it more than us. I was gonna say our buddy Kevin uh, loved it. Oh, really? Yeah, I Good was kind of Kevin. I, I was kind of shocked by that, but uh, he he enjoyed it a lot and uh, told me to go fuck myself. No, uh, <laughs> I would have believed it, but you know. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I'm kind of putting this. If we can rank, it's gonna get a whole lot harder to rank the movies as we go along this year. I, I'm kind of like. I'm doing maybe, it right now as we talk. Maybe putting it below Call of the Wild? I would definitely put it below Call of the Wild. I'd p- put it above Sonic, but that's yeah. not by a ton. I, that's probably exactly where it fits. Above Sonic, below Call of the Wild. You know what's funny is that you and I have like extremely different think, tastes so much of the time. I think our list is exactly the same. It's almost exactly the same outside of the stuff I think that you and I both didn't see together so we're gonna do this is a great time to announce this by the way so guys all all year here on movie house we're gonna do these quarterly reports so at the end of march we're gonna have a podcast that discusses what movies are in 2020 up until that point at the end of uh june we'll do it all over again it's gonna be obviously it goes without saying a quarterly report so there's going to be four total, and I still haven't figured out. We can discuss off air what exactly the conversation will sound like, but that's something to look forward to in the next uh, couple of weeks. Is that first episode? I wonder. This it's funny. The, I'm just thinking about it out loud because I'm looking at my list because I just added the hunt say, onto l- it. Let's save the list, but go ahead. 
I wonder if where our breaking point is is our number four because I know that you and I have similar like our one through three are exactly the same. Mm. But I think that my four and your four and my five and your four might be flipped. Well, I think I think my four. I don't even know if you've seen it. Oh, interesting. Because I, I think you have two movies I haven't seen, and I have two movies you haven't seen. Yeah, and the two movies I haven't seen are below my top five right now that I know that I'm curious now, but I'm not going to talk about it more on yeah. here because we're going to do a quarterly we'll, report. We'll do it on quarterly report. I, I just thought that was an interesting thing as I was looking at it. Mm. Well, it's, it's cool enough that we're at least on the same page. It, we can't do anything about movies that the other person hasn't seen, but no. And I mean, that. I don't expect anyone to, I'm not, anyone I'm not that watching either. that Nicholas cage movie. No. And I don't expect <laughs> you to because that's you know what's funny I'm that that was the reason that I didn't ask you to go with me because I just knew that you wouldn't enjoy it I don't need to and it's just not a Ryan movie what's and, it called color out of space yeah the color out of space like I would Sounds not like a Foo Fighters album it does a little bit I I'm not going to invite you to something that I think that you're just not going to enjoy like the, it's a very PJ movie which means that it's totally not a Ryan Snelling movie like the insane PJ type movie is it anything like Mandy? Because I despise that movie. Yeah, then you're not going to like this at all. Like, yeah. it's Mandy, but almost turned up to 12. I just want to see Nicolas Cage in a Safdie Brothers movie. Dude, I would lose my mind. I rewatched uh, Good Time the other night. and I watched Uncut Gems the other night. Did you watch... Uh, do you, you have it on VOD, right? Mm-hmm. Did you watch the short film that they did on it? Mm-hmm. There's a short film with Adam Sandler. If oh, you really? get a chance, yeah. But I was thinking the same thing while I was rewatching Good Time. I was like... Imagine Nicolas Cage in one of these movies. Like, imagine how good that would be. Did you see that video of where they, when they met? No. What? There's a video of them meeting? Yeah. It was just a thing on Twitter. I think actually the Safties posted it, but they were like... I'll have to look. Know, lifelong dream. Got to meet Nicolas Cage today. And it's literally just a shot that someone else took of them meeting. And I think they shake each other's hands. And I, I think Nicolas Cage says, we got to do something together. That's <laughs> That would be... <laughs> I would love that because... But it just sounds like, <laughs> regardless of like the fact that you and I both want those people to work right. together, it just sounds like the most L.A. thing oh, 100%. that every filmmaker ever hears from another actor. I mean, how many times have they said that But this other? is Nick Cage we're talking about. He'll literally do anything. That's true. So I, if, if that was going to happen, it, there's a worse place for it. How happen. has he not made enough money to get out of... <laughs> I think he it has. Makes no sense. No, I think he has, but I think he also got to the point where he literally just keeps doing things. <laughs> What's weird about that guy is I, I've stopped taking him seriously, but he could literally be in a Marvel movie tomorrow. 100%. Like he's he still could do what the old Nicolas Cage could do. We haven't put him like in this little box. He's he just kind of like built a box. <laughs> That's the most Nicolas Cage thing ever. We're outside knocking like, you can come out now. (laughs) And he's just refusing to do so. That's literally what's happening. He he enjoys it way too much. Remember when I, was it that trailer? Was it like Primal or something that we saw the trailer for where he's on a boat where a tiger gets loose? I was like, I have to watch. I don't even know what that is. You and I watched the trailer. I would literally. We did? Yeah. And you were like, no, absolutely not. (laughs) And I was like, but I have to watch it. It's Nicolas Cage versus a lion on a boat. And you were like, absolutely. Kevin Durant, I think, is in it. (laughs) 
Kevin Durant? Or Kevin Durant, the guy from... Uh, oh. Who oh. played the blob yeah. in okay. Wolverine I thought you Origins. Kevin... I was like, why is he in it? <laughs> he should be in it. Anyway. But I'm glad we had this Nicolas Cage conversation. I was going to say, maybe Kevin Durant has time to film a movie since they're on lockout. They're on another lockout. That's but, true. <laughs> what if that's what we see? Like, 2021 is just going to be a wave of NBA players and movies. MLB players, too. Let's get them all. Oh, we did just get that deal with uh, Brady and the Russos, whatever that involves. Well, so. And that's not the only thing. The Russo brother. they're also working with the Obamas. Yeah, I think, well, Tom Brady's, I think it has something to do, the Russos are somehow doing something for him, Interesting. but the Obama is just doing something with the Russos, like, for their production company, which I can't uh, think of off the top of my head right now. Very cool. All all things are being considered. Yeah. So, anyway, I think that about does it for The Hunt. What a, I think, valuable conversation. For those of you who may or may not be considering to go to the movies this weekend, hey, if you decide not to do that, I get it because of everything that's going on right now. But I, I do think that I, I'd be curious to know if the majority of people kind of fall in line with where we are. But again, I also think that it's it's still like a fun time at the movie, 90-minute investment. It's kind of a harmless thing. So Yeah, whatever. I mean, you're not going to... I think that if you go, you're probably going to be somewhere kind of like us in the middle where you're not like, oh my God, this changed my life, but also yeah. like... You might have had a decent time with it, which at the end of the day, that's all that really kind of it, matters. It, it's definitely empty calories. A hundred percent. And I want you guys to go and enjoy it. But also, like Ryan said, with <clears> everything <throat> going on, I also get if you don't want to go. Like, honestly, and this is just coming from the heart, like, stay safe out there, guys. That's it. Like, stay safe. Stay stay inside. Play some Call of Duty Warzone. Look, that's another thing, too. I was talking about at the beginning of the show. Uh, how our our generation has seen a ton of these things, but also our generation is like the most suited to survive a <laughs> pandemic because yeah. all we're fucking doing is watching Netflix and streaming on Twitch. Like that's literally all that we're doing and memeing coronavirus on the internet because it means that little to us. And so, then us sitting here podcasting. That's right. We are just so set. We are so sad. We are the reason that the zombie apocalypse will never actually happen. Like, the zombie apocalypse could happen outside of everyone's house, yeah. and we would all survive because we literally have no other reason not That's to. Right. That's right. So, guys, initially, I wanted to do another episode on Bloodshot, and that still might be the case, but I've kind of thrown planning out the window for this foreseeable future. So, just know that... We're still going to podcast. I don't know what the topics are going to be, but whether there's a movie in theaters or not, we're still going to podcast. It might be TV coverage. It might be more streaming stuff. It might be time to kind of uh, open up this uh, film diary idea that I had. Uh, who, who knows what will come of it? I think whatever comes of it will benefit the podcast because we'll just have more ideas and our creative juices will be flowing. So it's actually in a weird way exciting. I don't want to act like I'm benefiting from it, but uh, I just want to make sure that you guys know that uh, you can stay comfortable here on the movie house podcast feed. And that's really all that I want to say. And if you follow us on social media, that's always an opportunity for us to kind of let you know what's going on. Uh, if anything changes. So yeah, a hundred percent. Like I'm, I'm pretty much down for whatever we end up doing next. I know that, this is a weird fucking time for all of us in so many different ways. If you are directly affected by all of this, number one, um, I really, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I know it's not my fault, but I am also empathetic and understanding to everyone's issues and the things going on. So number one, like, keep your head up. 
I know that this is a tough time. I see a lot of people who are normally very optimistic and very like happy go lucky that even they're feeling deflated and defeated by everything. Like, like keep me. your head up. I understand. I uh, right, 100%. You're just the most optimistic person I've ever met in my life. That's so right. it's fine. That's right. But legitimately, like keep your head up, keep moving forward, be smart, stay safe. That's all you can do. Look, at the end of the day, we're all going to get through this. We all do. Just be the best version of you possible and keep fucking pushing forward. And if that means sitting at home watching Netflix and playing Modern Warfare with Ryan or whatever the new Call of Duty nah, game is. I don't want to play with them. I'm I'm just saying, in general. They could be playing with you and you don't know. I don't, it's better I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying. But you could be online and they don't know. And you, Regardless. The point is, just do the stuff that you do. Try to just be smart about it and keep enjoying life. Like, don't let this shit bring you down because the worst possible scenario is all of us getting so depressed that we just let the inevitable apocalypse happen. Like, we need to stop that by being the best versions of us possible. Very good. Thank you. Where can they find you online? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PJ underscore Campbell. And you can find my podcast, The PJ Campbell Show, wherever podcasts are sold. And then, you know, watch the Schmodown because I write there. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at What Up Snell. Come hang out with myself and Jay Williams on the Sight and Sound podcast feed where we also talk about some movies, but also music and television. We're always streaming on Twitch. We're always recapping tv and it's a good time over there as well also subscribe to the movie house youtube channel go and check it out link is in the descri this description down below you guys did a great job following letterbox which you can still do that letterbox.com slash movie house pod but you can also subscribe to the movie house youtube channel just because i asked you to please do it as a favor to me we love you see you on the next one Bye bye